pretty sure 100% you already spotted since the first word that I, that I said that I'm not from the country. I actually moved to the UK three years ago with my family and I have to admit after such a long time still one of my biggest issues is how to pronounce the H. In fact, I still get very angry when I sit at the table with my wife to have lunch and very hungry when my favorite football team loses. So please bear with me church, I'll, I'll get that sorted too. Um, so I come from a, from a place, from a nation um, that is absolutely immersed in tradition and custom and that's partly because of our history uh, of conquering and being conquered partly is because of our Catholic background but all these cultures together left us with a luggage of customs and traditions so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty aware of customs and traditions wherever I go and when I came to the UK the first local tradition that really struck me was actually Harvest Festival it was incredible for me to see how a community would get together and the community, English people really love it, really go for it. And uh, they, they, they all donate, they all want to be part of it. And uh, the heart on, on how they do it, it's, it's just amazing. Something very, very fantastic, uh, fantastic to see. So when I was asked to speak today for Harvest, the first thing that came to mind, and it felt kind of natural, uh, for me was to go back to the books and see how Harvest started. I'm one of those um, history freaks. Back in the, in, when I used to go to the school, history was my thing. So I went to, to the books and I checked how that all began. So um, I'm going to uh, give you a couple of information about how Harvest began, but I'm sure many of you already don't know that. So did you know that Harvest was first celebrated at the beginning of the season, on the 1st of August? And it was called Lamas, meaning Lof Mass. Farmers were um, making loaves of bread from the new wheat crop and gave them to the churches, to the local churches. Then those bread, they were used as a, a communion bread on a special mass to thanking God for uh, uh, the harvest. This custom ended when Harry VIII uh, broke away from the Catholic Church and now we do uh, celebrate harvest at the end of the season. The second interesting thing that I found out was that at the beginning of, har of harvest, communities would choose a well-respected and strong man uh, and, and they would appoint him as the lord of the harvest. He would be responsible for negotiating the harvest wages and to organizing the field workers. Isn't that interesting for me? You know, to me, that was really, really interesting. So in our days, even though we do mention God's provision and we thank God for, for his provision during, har during harvest, I do recognize that we mainly focus on donating and helping the needy and the community, as I said at the beginning, gets all together to, to help the people that are struggling financially. And this is absolutely fantastic and pleasing at God's eyes. I'm, I'm, I know that. This is something that really touches God's heart. But what I get the feeling that sometimes we could run the risk of doing things out of a yearly routine. It's some, it, it could be like uh, that we're keeping on doing something that was passed on, passed on to us from our predecessors. So having thought and prayed about this, I think that God gave me the message for today, which is reminding us of the why we do what we do. I truly believe that God's kingdom, when, we, when it approaches good works, 
it could run, it doesn't always, but it could run the risk of stopping doing things for love and compassion and start doing things for customs and traditions. And this makes me think of Jesus. He never healed anyone for custom or tradition or because the prophets at that time used to do that. He healed people because he loved them. He healed people and touched people because he had love and compassion. And this as church is absolutely vital. We are the church of Christ, so we need to remember why we do what we do, especially today, and then be driven by it. We could do anything out of any reason, uh, religiousness, uh, could be tradition as we said, but it just wouldn't do any good to us. If I can make an example, we would make a cake and it would look perfect, and we could, step, uh, we could follow every single step in the process, exactly how it should be. But if we put salt instead of sugar, the outcome would be absolutely awful, isn't it? It might look, uh, gonna look exactly the same as a cake made with sugar, but the outcome would be absolutely awful. And some people would say, oh, but you know what? Salt and sugar, they look exactly the same, but it's not the same thing. Now, I'm trying to make a point, and the point is, the key ingredients today is love. And we can, you know, we can choose to use other ingredients such as we said, um, customs and tradition, but our offering would not bring any smile on God's face. I want to read with you 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. It says, if I speak in the language of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm, on, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If, we, if I give all my possess to the poor and give, my, uh, and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. These are strong words, isn't it? But it's actually the truth. And it all comes down to this. No matter what you do, it only matters how you do it, and why you do it. And this is because everything, you know, if you think about Jesus, what he was doing, that's why everything that he did was absolutely incredible, was absolutely astonishing, fantastic, was so godly. Why? Because everything he did, every single move, every single step was down out of love. Don't forget, church, Jesus left his glory to come to earth and rescue humankind. He walked among men, he delivered men and healed people. He even resurrected many and fed the masses. But he was betrayed and rejected, humiliated, beaten and died on the cross. Why? Because of custom and traditions? No, because of love. Everything because of love. Matthew 14, 14 says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd... He had compassion on them and healed their sick. You see, here's this, the compassion of Jesus Christ that actually, put, actually creates an action and, and uh, creates a space for the miraculous. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus knew what was going to happen all the way from the start? He knew that all those crowds that the Bible, when the Bible tells us that the crowds were following him for their belly, for their own interest... Do you know, remember church, that he knew that all the way through from the start. He knew that some people among those crowds would be in those crowds later on that would shout out, crucify him. But still, he would cry over them. 
when he was seeing their sufferings, he would cry over them and be moved with compassion. And that compassion would create an atmosphere for him to act and, and operate miracles. Matthew 9.36 says, when he saw the crowds again, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He sees the need of the people today. He sees the, the need of the community today. And he wants us to have his heart. The heart of Jesus was the heart of God, the heart of love that give everything without holding nothing back. But then in this same verse, from verse 37, Jesus replies and says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out into, uh, workers into his harvest field. So today, church, as we do celebrate this harvest, we don't have a strong and well-respected man as our Lord of the harvest. We do have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lord of the harvest, and he's calling out for workers today. Would you accept that calling, church? Would you accept to be part of that work that is including everything in this city? This is not something abstract. The church BCC operates in the city center and has a great impact among our community. And that's because of those people that choose to be part of that work that Jesus started 2,000 years ago. As a runner, as a runner passes on the button to the successor, Jesus is passing on the, uh, the button of passion and love, compassion and love unto you today. Would you accept this run, church? Would you accept to go the extra mile and walk, and walk and run with Jesus? John 13, 35 says, By this everybody will know that you are my disciple. If you love one another, love is what changes all. Love is what makes the difference. So if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus, you've got to do only one thing, and it's follow Jesus' footsteps. Jesus wasn't just a preacher, he was a doer. Jesus wasn't just a supportive or encouraging, he was a provider. Jesus wouldn't just be interested in people, he would care for them and carry them through and take an action. So today, as I'm going to pass my button on to Leon for the next session of this preaching, I just want to invite you today to be as Jesus and have the heart of Jesus move in compassion and let action take place today for this harvest celebration we're going to watch a video right now and i hope you, you're going to be inspired I'm, I'm i'm pretty sure you're going to have a laugh but i'm sure as well you're going to be inspired god bless you well i hope that video made you laugh as much as it makes me laugh every time i watch it i think that's absolutely hilarious that little boy he was running with all he had wasn't he so i'm leon i'm the food bank manager here at birmingham city church and i'll be taking the second half of our message about passing on or taking on the baton of compassion because that's what we are called to do church we're called to take on the baton of compassion that god already started that jesus already started as a church that's what we're called to do when you're in a race, just like that little boy, getting ready to take on the baton, what's your focus? 
when I imagine that little boy, I'm thinking when he was ready to take on the baton, maybe he was thinking about his parents or maybe he was thinking about maybe a girl he liked. But when he, the baton came to him, he wasn't thinking at all, was he? He just kind of just ran. There was no thinking at all. He just kind of just went for it. But church, what he should have been doing is he should have been thinking, what's the pattern of the baton? Where do I see the pattern here? Where do I see the pattern here? And church, as a church, we need to be looking at what's the pattern of compassion that we see as the church? Because we're in a privileged position that we don't need to start the pattern of compassion. We just need to continue it. Because compassion, it starts with God. We only have compassion because God is a God of compassion. Great compassion. And then we see Jesus. He shows us how to live out compassion on the earth. Jesus, when he walked the earth, he was compassionate to those all around him, to his followers, to the crowd, to the multitudes. And then we see the greatest act of compassion to all mankind when he went to the cross of Calvary. And now he caught us to take on that baton of compassion. Church, I don't think there's ever been a greater time that I can think of where the world is in need of compassion. From the people who visit our food bank who can't afford food, to those who are isolated in their homes, people who are trapped by fear, people who are having to work a ridiculous amount of hours to cover for staff absences. I think about one of my grandmother's carers. She's had to work seven days a week for so many months now to cover for absence. And I'm so sure that she could do with some compassion on those days when she feels, she feels tired and maybe not as cheery or smiley as usual. Right now, church, the world is crying out for compassion. And if the world's crying out for compassion, who should answer that call? Shouldn't it be the church? Shouldn't it be the church? Like when someone's crying out for something, there should be someone who can respond to that call. And I think for the cry of compassion, that's the time for the church to step up and say, here we are. Here we are, the church, the body of Christ, because we've had a great pattern set before us that we're called to now continue. So church, we're called to step up to this call of compassion and step up to a higher level of compassion. Because that's who we're meant to be. We're meant to be a people characterized by change. Luca already mentioned this scripture in John where Jesus says, a new commandment I give you. Now, if Jesus is saying a new commandment I give you, I think you better listen, right? I think we gotta listen if you're saying something new. What's the new commandment? He says that you love one another just as I have loved you. So Jesus is saying, look, just as I have loved you. Once again, he started the passion. He started the compassion. Now we continue it. And he says, when you do this, all people will know that you are my disciples. So when we love people, when we are compassionate to people, church, people will know who we represent. They'll be like, there's something about these people. There's something about their compassion. And church, isn't that what we're all about? That when we show compassion to people, it authenticates our message. It authenticates that we know a God of compassion, a God who can forgive people of their sins and give them a new start. That's why it's so important, church, that we show compassion and show it to a greater level, especially at this time. But we don't need to do it alone. We don't need to do it in our strength. We have God himself in us who empowers us to show compassion, even when we struggle to do that. So church, now is our time to step up. So how? How do we show compassion at a time like this? Sometimes I think it's quite easy to show certain levels of compassion. Or it's easy to show compassion to certain people, should I say. But how about those people who it's so hard to show compassion towards? You know the people I'm talking about. You're probably sitting next to them right now. Don't look at them. 
How do you show compassion to these people when you really, really don't want it? You're thinking, I want to show them something, but it's definitely not compassion. How do I show compassion to these people when it's hard, but I know I really need to? There's two things that I'm going to give you a suggestion. So I'm going to give these suggestions to myself as well because I need to show some compassion when it's hard to do it. My first suggestion is that we take a moment to put ourselves in their shoes. Just take a moment to put yourself in their shoes. I think it's hard to be compassionate to people when you can't understand them. It's hard to show compassion when you can't empathize with somebody. So I think sometimes it's wise just to take a moment and say, you know what, I'm struggling to show compassion to this person. Let me just put myself in their shoes for a moment. And isn't this exactly what Jesus did? Jesus, he left heaven and he came to earth and he put on mortal flesh so he could understand what it was like to be us. So he could understand what it's like to go for the struggles that we go through. So then he could show compassion from a place of genuine understanding. I love Hebrews. Hebrews 4.15, it says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who's been tempted in every way that we have, yet he did not sin. He didn't put himself first. So if Jesus isn't above putting himself in the shoes of others to understand and empathize with them, neither should we be above trying to see things from a different perspective. I'm saying to do this wisely and to do this, um, you know, to have boundaries. We shouldn't allow people to mistreat us. But I think we should take a moment to try and understand where people are coming from. Because often a change of perspective can lead to a change of heart. So let's try and see things from their perspective. The second thing we can do so we can show compassion from a genuine heart and continue God's pattern of compassion is to recognize God's compassion towards us. When you find it hard to show compassion to somebody else, just remember how God showed compassion to you, how God showed compassion to me, how God showed compassion to your family. Just in case we kind of um, get a bit carried away with ourselves, we weren't actually deserving of anything. The Bible says that we were dead in our transgressions. We had nothing to offer God, but God who's rich in love, rich in mercy and rich in his compassion, he says that while we were sinners, while we had nothing to offer him, he showed compassion by sending his son to die in our place. Church, if God can be so compassionate to us when we don't deserve it, we can show compassion to those people who may not be deserving of it or we may not think are deserving of compassion. So church, those are two things that we can do. Let's try and put ourselves in their shoes and remember God's compassion to us. You see, what we're doing today with Harvest Celebration is fantastic. And what we've been doing at the Food Bank is amazing. We've shown so many great expressions of compassion over the years. But right now, there's probably somebody in your house, somebody across the street, somebody at work, somebody on the end of the phone, who could really do with some compassion. Who could really do with you just calling them and saying, look, I just want to listen. I think sometimes the greatest act of compassion is just to listen just to be there for someone to listen and share what they're going through. So as I invite the worship team back up, let me encourage you, church, to step up in your level of compassion. Because if anybody's meant to be showing compassion at a great level, it's the church. If anyone's been, been meant to carry on a pattern of compassion, it's the church. Nobody should be outdoing the church when it comes to compassion. So let's remember 
to take a moment to put ourselves in the shoes of others and to remember that God showed compassion to us first. Freely we have received his compassion. So freely we can give compassion to others. Let me just quickly pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for this harvest celebration. I want to thank you for all the generous donations of all the people who have given today, Father God. I pray that you just continue to show them the blessings and let them be encouraged, Father God, knowing that when they give out of a heart of compassion, Father God, that it touches the lives of real people. Just like what we watched in that video, there's people's lives, real lives are being touched by their acts of giving. So I pray, Father God, you encourage them to continue to be generous and continue to be compassionate. So Father, let us continue our expression of compassion. Let's have compassion towards others. And Father, let's have some compassion towards ourselves as well. I want to thank you for today, Father God. Thank you for your church. In Jesus' name, amen.